Welcome back to our study of the book of Philippians. Tonight we're going to be looking at Philippians 3, 10, and 11, a powerful and compact pair of verses. And before we dig into those, I want to remind us of an important truth about the book of Philippians that it's easy to overlook. One of the advantages of doing a, a long and, and fairly detailed study of a, of a book like we're doing right now is that you can really dig into many of the specifics of, the ver- of, of individual verses. You can uh, really take your time and meditate on what various parts of the book mean. One of the downsides is that you it's easy to lose sight of the of the big picture and of the setting in which the book was written. And so it's important to remind ourselves that Paul is writing this book from prison. We've talked about that before. He's mentioned that in the letter, but it's been a while since he's mentioned it, and so it's been a while since we have thought about it. But it's important to remember that every time Paul makes a statement about suffering or humility or hardship or sacrifice, that he is living those things. He is literally in prison for the name of Jesus. And whenever he calls upon us to rejoice in the Lord in all kinds of circumstances and uh, tells us to have joy and so on, he is embodying that as well as he is in prison and yet writing to the Philippians this letter of joy and not of self-pity or anything like that. So uh, Paul is, again, suffering for his faith while he says these things. And that's particularly important to remember tonight because he's going to talk about his desire to share in Christ's suffering, um, which is something that we don't often think about, uh, much less desire ourselves. Um, but Paul is, is not desiring it in the abstract. I mean, he's already experiencing it. Uh, and so it's important for us to have that in our minds as we think about why he would say that, why he would long for that and, and how that will instruct us. So let's look together at Philippians three verses 10 and 11. Paul says, um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Remember, the context here is that Paul has warned the believers in Philippi about the false teachers who are insisting on circumcision and probably other aspects of the law as necessary for them to be right with God. we presume, right, that we know for sure they're insisting on circumcision, and based on what other people said and what we see in other letters of the Bible, like Galatians and Romans, and what we see in the book of Acts, they're probably insisting on that as as a requirement for uh, them to be right with God, for them to be counted as believers. But Paul says, no, the people who are the circumcision, the people who are the people of God, who belong to Jesus, we're the ones who, we don't put any confidence in the flesh whether it's circumcision or some other area of obedience. Our confidence is in Christ. Our boast is in Him. We have been filled with the Spirit, and so we worship by the Spirit of God. And he gives his whole list of uh, both his pedigree, being born a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, etc., and also his accomplishments as a Pharisee who was zealous for the Lord and and all the rest. Um, And he says, I count all of that as, or maybe we should say zealous for the law, um, he, he, I count all that as 
worthless. I have counted all that as loss. The only thing that matters to me, Paul says, is knowing Jesus. The only thing that matters to me is being found in Christ, clothed in his righteousness that is a gift from God, and not in my own attempt to be righteous by the things that I do. And so um, he continues that train of thought and says what he is longing for, what he desires, is that he might know Christ, right? That I might, that I may know him. So when he says, I want to know Jesus, what does that mean? Well, it seems to be roughly the same thing that he means when he says in verse eight, that, um, he wants, he he counts everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, right? That's pretty much the same thing. And then uh, toward the end of verse 8 and into verse 9, he says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in Christ. And then here in verse 10 again, that I may know him. All that is woven together. All that are, all those uh, phrases are slightly different ways of expressing the same basic idea, which is that he wants to not just know facts about Christ. Usually when we say, I want to know something, a lot of times we're talking about, I want the information, I want the data, I want the facts. That's not what Paul means. He's not, when he says, I want to know Christ, he's not simply saying, I want to know true things about him. He's using this word know in a relational way, not merely a factional way. So he wants to have a relationship with Christ. He wants to be in fellowship with Christ. He wants there to be union and communion um, that he shares with Christ. So that's what he's longing for, a a relationship, a fellowship uh, with the risen Christ. And uh, he tells us, shows us by his example here, right, that knowing Christ, being in fellowship with Christ is better than standing on, standing on our accomplishments or our religious pedigree. Right? Paul could have said, what I really want is to be able to stand before the Lord and say, look at all the things I've done. Or to stand before the Lord and say, look at who I am. Look at who my parents were. Look at, you know, I, I'm clearly offspring of Abraham. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, etc., etc. Look at all the, the ways I served you. Look at all the ways I tried to keep the law. He says, I don't, I'm not striving for any of that anymore. I don't care about any of that anymore. What I want is to be in fellowship with Christ. And I don't need all those things to be in fellowship with Christ. He says that knowing Christ is worth losing everything that other people count as gain. The things that other people are scrambling for, grasping for, seeking to accomplish for themselves, uh, using to distinguish themselves from others. Well, I'm from this family, or I'm from this town, or I'm from this state, or I'm from this country, or whatever. Paul says, all of that is rubbish to me. The only thing that matters is knowing Jesus, being in fellowship with Jesus. And none of the rest of Uh, those things that I used to value so highly and that so many other people value so highly, none of those things matter. And none of those things are necessary. You don't have to be a Jew to be in fellowship with Christ. You don't have to keep the law in that way to be in fellowship with Christ. To be in fellowship with Christ, you just need to trust Christ. 
You need to seek Him. And then He will enable you by the Spirit to fulfill the law. Paul talks about that elsewhere as well. But as far as seeking out, setting out to keep the law in order to be right with God, it doesn't work that way. You have to turn from yourself, even from your own attempts at good works done to earn yourself favor with God. You have to turn from all of that, abandon all of that, and trust in Christ. And so that's what he's saying he has done and what he desires more than anything else is just to know Jesus, to be in fellowship with Jesus. And then he says not only to know him, but to also to know the power of his resurrection. So Christ has suffered, died, and been raised from the dead. And Paul says, I want to not only know Jesus, I want to know that resurrection power that is bound up with him. Um, And he talks about this kind of thing in, in slightly different ways in different places. For example, in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, he talks about the power of God in raising Jesus from the dead and how that power is the same power that God uh, exercises on our behalf that um, that great power that raised Christ from the dead that's the same power that God uh, he still has and he uses that power for us as well um, and then in, in Romans chapter 6 Paul talks about how Christ's resurrection because we as believers are united to Christ Christ's resurrection uh that changes our life, right? There's a power there. There's a transformation that takes place, takes place there as a result of Christ's resurrection and us being united to Christ. For example, Romans 6, 4, he says, We were buried, therefore, with him, with Christ, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Jesus was raised bodily from the dead, And Paul says, because we have been united to Christ by faith, we now share in his death and his resurrection. And that means just as Christ was raised bodily from the dead, there's a sense in which even now we are raised spiritually from the dead, from spiritual death to spiritual life, so that we now walk, we live in a new life. That is resurrection power. But it's not just a present spiritual resurrection. It's also a future physical resurrection that uh, Paul wants to share in and and know about. Uh, Romans 6.5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall in the future certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So we share in this spiritual resurrection now as sort of a foretaste of the physical resurrection that we will share in at Christ's return. Um, Paul talks about this at length in 1 Corinthians 15, how Jesus' resurrection means that all who belong to Jesus will one day be raised from the dead. He's the first fruits, we're the full harvest. And that day of resurrection at the return of Christ is going to mean immortality for us. Right? That what was mortal is going to be swallowed up by life. We will be uh, immortal and get to dwell in the presence of Christ forever. So Paul wants um, and needs that resurrection power in his life more than he wants or needs any worldly power or prestige. More than being exalted to some uh, high place among the Jewish people, Paul wants to be uh, 
lifted up into the presence of God on the last day. More than um, he wants to demonstrate his own um, you know, power or mental ability or you know, discipline or whatever by showing the things he can accomplish, he wants that power in his life that raises him from physical death to spiritual life and then will one day raise him to physical life as well, that resurrection power. So Paul wants to experience that. He wants to have fellowship with Christ. He wants the power of Christ's resurrection to um, transform his life and secure his um, immortality in the presence of Christ. All of that makes a whole lot of sense, right? But the next thing he says kind of takes us off uh, takes us by surprise or, or catches us off guard. He says, not only that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, but then he says, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, it's one thing to say, um, I'm willing to share in his sufferings and even become like him in his death. But Paul is saying that he desires this. He wants to share in Christ's sufferings. He wants to become like him in his death. Now that, again, at first, that's surprising. But I think if we sort of widen out the lens and think about things that Jesus said, think about what the whole Bible says, uh, that it begins to make a lot more sense why Paul would say this and why we ought to be able to say things like this. Um, the, the first reason is um, because the Bible is very clear from beginning to end that the pathway to glory always lies through suffering. So if you take uh, an example from the Old Testament in the life of Joseph, remember Joseph had all the brothers, he had the fancy coat, his brothers hated him, were jealous of him. Uh, He suffered tremendously. He's thrown into a pit, sold as a slave, uh, does great as a slave um, in the house of Potiphar, but then gets falsely accused and he's thrown into prison. Uh, And then he's raised up to second in command in Egypt. He he suffered tremendously before he was exalted to that high position. Same thing with King David. Before he was the king, he was, you know, the forgotten brother when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel. Um, Even once he was anointed, um, he was persecuted by Saul. He did not immediately get to take the throne. He suffered Uh, tremendously was chased around and all the rest before Saul finally died and David became king. Same, those are patterns or types that are fulfilled ultimately in Jesus, who of course leaves the glory of heaven, becomes, uh, is born as a man and lives a life of uh, hardship and suffering and he's persecuted and mocked and ultimately crucified and killed. And yet Paul said earlier in Philippians 2 that it was because of that that God highly exalted him uh, and gave him the name of the name of every name and all those and all that. So um, and then Paul sort of summarizes how this applies to us in Romans 8:17 where he says, um, if we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. So um, suffering preceding, Glory, 
or we could say in this context, suffering that leads to resurrection or exaltation, that's the biblical pattern. That's the way that it always works. And so part of what Paul is saying is, is if that's the way it works, that's the path I want to be on. If I have to suffer in order to follow Christ, I, I want to suffer. I, I don't want to miss out on um, the good things that Christ has promised to those who follow him because I'm uh, constantly dodging the suffering that's supposed to come along with that. Right? So he's not seeking out suffering. Right? He's, he's not uh, just sort of trying to suffer for suffering's sake. But he's saying, you know, if I'm going to follow Christ and following Christ means uh, suffering like him, well, then I, I, I want to share in his sufferings. I, I want to be faithful, even if it means being opposed by the world. I want to be faithful, even if it means ending up in jail. I want to be faithful, even if it means risking shipwreck. I want to be faithful, even if it means getting beaten and thrown out of town or stoned and left for dead. I, I want to be faithful to Christ. Because remember, Jesus himself told his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily. Right? That's Luke 9.23. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then he goes on and says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory, in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So all of this like is 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 tied together. Suffering, acknowledging Christ, being willing to lose your life. Um, in this world in order to find it. And Paul says, that's the path I want to be on. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. Again, this is another way of sort of summarizing what Paul said in Philippians 2. You need to count others more significant than yourselves. You need to not uh, do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. You need to be humble. Uh, You need to count others more significant than yourselves. You need to have the the mind and attitude of Christ. And what that meant for Christ was he humbled himself and he suffered and died for our sake. And so Paul's saying, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be like Jesus. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to share in the process of humility and loving self-sacrifice that Jesus modeled for us. I want to become like him in his death. I want to be that kind of loving, faithful follower of Jesus who, uh, where in some ways my death um, is patterned on the death of Christ. Not that Paul's death can accomplish what Christ's accomplished. He's not saying anything like that at all. Jesus' death is unique in that sense. Only Jesus uh, could be the sacrifice for our sin, right? He's the once for all sacrifice for sin. What, what Paul is saying is, I want my uh, life and my death to be all a part of how I follow Christ, of how people um, see the image of Christ in me. 
And so he wants to share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And then he says, last verse, verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, this is one of those places where uh, attain is a legitimate translation of the original word that Paul used there. Uh, But it's not the best word. And the reason why is because often we think of the, we associate the word attaining with meriting or earning. I've attained this position in the company by hard work, or I have attained this level of, you know, knowledge or specialization or notoriety or whatever because of how hard I've worked. It's something that I have achieved, right? But that's not what Paul is saying here. The word, that is translated attain there, it can just mean to reach something, to come to something, to um, to meet or arrive at something is, is uh, sort of bound up in that. Um, and so it's not about meriting resurrection, that by any means possible I may merit the resurrection from the dead. That's That would be totally contradictory to everything he said in this chapter, right? That I, I've, I've given up trying to merit anything. I just need to be in Christ, and in Christ I have all that I need. What he's saying is, I am willing to live in whatever way I need to live so that I don't miss out on the resurrection, right? Uh, That I don't uh, fall short of being faithful to Christ until the end. So um, it's, it's not about earning the resurrection right it's it's not about um it's it's not about thinking if i suffer enough then i'll be worthy then i will have earned it um but he is acknowledging there is a condition for those who will share in the resurrection and that is they must have a right response to jesus right and uh, we emphasize rightly that the basic response to Jesus is repentance and faith. We turn from our sin and we trust in Christ. But what we don't emphasize as often, um, but is just as important, is all through the Bible, it's also very clear that those who believe will live a certain way. If you believe, your life will be different than it was when you didn't believe. Otherwise, what is believing? It's just saying something, right? If you're just saying, oh, yeah, I believe that, but it doesn't change the way that you live, you don't actually believe it. So Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. You've got to die to yourself daily. You've got to be willing to um, you know, own up to me. You can't be ashamed of me. You've got to be willing to give up your life in order to uh, save it. Right? And so in order to share in the resurrection of the dead, in order to be a part of that glorious day when Jesus returns and all who belong to him are raised up and transformed, their bodies uh, glorified and, and made immortal, in order to be a part of that, Paul cannot say, I still believe in Jesus, but I'm tired of suffering for him. And so I'm not going to talk about him anymore. I'm not going to tell anybody that I believe in him anymore. I'm not going to seek to, uh, you know, pattern my life uh, upon his example anymore. I'm going to go back to living the way that I used to. 
Uh, there are people in the Bible um, who did things like that, right? Who turned their back on the Lord and said, never mind. And uh, Paul doesn't want to be like that. Um, and Jesus is very clear, right? That if you abandon him, if you're ashamed of him, if you turn your back permanently on him, not just like you're embarrassed to talk about him in a particular moment, but like you turn your back on him and say, I don't want to be associated with him, then there's no promise of resurrection. Again, it's not about earning um, salvation by suffering enough. It's Paul acknowledging this is the pathway. Suffering, hardship, sacrifice, uh, a, is is what a Christ-like life looks like. And the only people who get to share in the resurrection when Jesus comes back are the people who have trusted in Christ and demonstrated that trust by attempting to faithfully follow Jesus, even though they do it imperfectly, even though they sin, even though they mess up, even though they don't measure up, etc. That's not about that, but being found in Christ means also being shaped by Christ. And that's what I want. I want to be like uh, Joseph, who trusted God even when his life was hard and falling apart and crumbling down around him. But God was with him, and in the end, God raised him up. Uh, And in in the same way, David, his life was so hard. Uh, He experienced so much hard. I mean, just read the Psalms. David is crying out for deliverance and help, and he has so many enemies, and there's so much oppression and so much hardship. But the Lord was with him and ultimately raised him up to the throne. But neither one of those men turned their back on the Lord and said, forget it. If this is what... Trusting your promises means, if this is what belonging to you means, I'm done. Right? If they had said that, no exaltation, no promise, because they would have abandoned not only the Lord, the, the promise of the Lord, but the Lord himself. So Paul's saying, this is the way that it works. If I'm going to be faithful to Jesus, it's going to mean I'm going to suffer. And so that's, that's I mean, I, I, I don't want to miss out on that. Not because I enjoy suffering. Paul didn't enjoy suffering any more than the rest of us. But he wanted to be a genuine follower of Jesus and that entailed suffering. Because that is the path to sharing in the resurrection. And that's what he longed for. Because resurrection means not only our lives being, our bodies being transformed, but it also means being made fit to live in the presence of Christ forever. And that's what Paul wanted. He wanted to be in permanent, eternal, glorious fellowship with Jesus. And that means abandoning all of his works, all of his pedigree, and trusting in Jesus alone, being found in Christ alone, his righteousness being in Christ alone. And that means following Jesus, no matter what it costs, taking up his cross, humbling himself, dying to himself, sacrificing himself for the good of others, maybe even being poured out like a drink offering for the sake of the church in Philippi. Whatever it means, Paul says, I'm good with that because I want to be like Jesus because that's, the, that's, what it, that's part of what it means to belong to Jesus. And at the end of that comes this glory, comes this resurrection, and the goal of that resurrection is 
being in the presence of Christ, and that's what I'm longing for more than anything else. So anyway, I hope, I hope that helps. Um, I hope that encourages you. Um, and uh, pray the Lord blesses you through the study of His Word.